Welcome to episode 59 of the Retrospectors podcast, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Sterlings. James, we triumphantly returned to the stealth genre. I figured, you know, we've only done 10 or so stealth games for the podcast. What about an 11th? You're always going to pick more, Patrick. I don't think there's any <laughs> amount of stealth games that will uh, satiate your uh, desires. But, uh, uh, you know, here we are. Um, hopefully, uh, this is going to be a bit of a better experience than uh, than the first game was, which we were uh, not so high on. Um, it's got to be one of the you know bottom three games that we've reviewed so far. Hitman, Codename 47, which we did oh, a little less than a year ago, was the definition of janky garbage i think of the 13 or so levels in that game there were only like two good ones and then four acceptable ones and then a lot of awful awful ones so i think this episode will be really different because hitman has evolved into like this triple a stealth immersive sim franchise but it was a very different game and it came from far more humble beginnings than the Goliath it is to say. So I'm really eager to talk about it, um, to review and discuss Hitman 2, not just on its own merits, but also where it's evolved from the first game. So James and I make up the Retrospectors podcast. Each and every fortnight we play through classic games of the past with the intention of reviewing and discussing them from a modern perspective. We're not here to figure out how good these games were at the time they were released or appreciate the historical context. We just want to know if they're worth your time to play today alongside all the modern titles that get released. So yeah, this fortnight we played through Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. It was first released in 2002, two years after Codename 47, for PC, PS2 and Xbox. And it came to GameCube about eight months later in 2003. It was developed by IO Interactive, um, like the first game, and it was the second game they'd ever made. So IO Interactive at this point is still a fairly um, amateur studio. Um, and Hitman Codename 47 wasn't exactly a crazy selling blockbuster. Um, in the game, you continue to play as 47. He's officially retired from the agency that directed the assassinations and is residing in peace in a small and quiet Italian monastery. But he gets called back into action after the priest who is with him gets kidnapped and he gets back in contact with the agency and he has to fulfill contracts to the agency in order to help track down this priest. And naturally, over the course of the game, he goes to many exotic locations and murders many, many people. Um, hopefully, that only the targets he was after. But if you're a, you know, not the greatest hitman, there may be a fair bit of collateral damage. So before we get into our discussion about the game, just two notes. The first is that if you try and play Hitman 2 Silent Assassin without doing anything, if you buy it and run it, you're probably just going to get a black screen and it's going to be in a terrible resolution. Um, there's a pretty easy fix patch that you can apply to the Steam version. I know it works for sure. Um, I played on Steam. I played the, applied this patch and everything pretty much ran perfectly i mean there were some minor bugs but i didn't get any crashes or anything um how is your experience getting the game running james so i played on the gog version of the game um and i you know you didn't link me to this guide uh which uh, <laughs> we uh figured out a couple of minutes ago um and i didn't have such an easy time it took me about 
I guess like half an hour to get it running. I had to download a whole bunch of different things to get the GOG version running, um, which kind of surprised me because usually GOG's pretty good at just, you know, running out of the box. Not the case here. I also ran into a lot of black screens, poor resolutions, uh, and general jankiness until I downloaded a couple of, you know, other fixed patches to get it running. So we'll link the, uh, the you know, the good working fixed patches in the episode description. So, you know, it shouldn't uh, take you guys too long to get it running if you want to play this one yeah so i don't know if the steam patch works for the gog version i mean it should but there might be some weird thing that you know stops it working in the directory or something so be by default i guess we'd recommend the steam version because it works with this one simple fix but you know it could work just fine with the gog version and even then it's nothing as bad as our troubles with say red alert 2 so it'll probably no. be fine <laughs> One final thing before we get in, um, we highly recommend you listen to our episode on Codename 47. Um, this is a sequel episode. We've done a couple of these so far, um, and it's important for you to listen to the first episode because we'll be referring to a lot of uh, the stuff and our experiences with the first game. So it'll still work as a standalone episode, but it'll make more sense if you uh, understand the context of where we're coming from. So yeah, to get the full kind of breadth of our opinions on the game, definitely check out the first episode. We'll summarize here so that it, because it kind of is really important for the conversation because both Patrick and I had a pretty rough time with the first game, honestly. Um, some of our, you know, biggest criticisms were the fact that there was no mid-level saving or any check kind of checkpointing whatsoever, and some of these levels could take, you know, from up to like 40 minutes to an hour to complete in a full run-through, where, you know, one mistake could have you restarting from scratch like a dozen times. So it did get a bit frustrating uh, in that regard. Patrick, that was probably your biggest criticism of the game too. Um, I would say even more than the lack of saving was the ambiguity of what you needed to do next um, because sometimes it functioned as a puzzle game where you had to find the very specific solution to a problem and sometimes it was kill a bunch of guys with a gun but without a way to distinguish between the two uh, you had no real way of knowing how to move forwards and when the solution was shoot people with gun you would sometimes walk around for 40 minutes looking for a solution that didn't even exist but yeah when you combine that with the fact that the that you've got nowhere to save it mean it punished any kind of experimentation and trying new things so yeah, it was it all combined into a fairly gnarly package. Yeah, as a first game in the series, it seemed pretty obvious to me that their, I guess, vision for the direction of the game wasn't solidified yet. Like, this was, this game was basically like a, a glorified tech demo, right? They were just trying to see if they could make, you know, uh, a Hitman-style, well, like, there wasn't even a Hitman-style game yet, right? Like, they had no idea what they were doing. They just were kind of, like, muddling their way through the development of Codename for. So um, compared to the, the Hitman games of today, which have a very unified vision of what they want to be with these big, like, sprawling levels with many ways of dispatching your targets, I think a lot of the level design in the original game was a bit, a lot uh, more primitive in that, you know, there was generally only one way to far forward and it didn't really care about whether you you know snuck through the entire level or went in guns blazing uh there wasn't this like you know real focus on what makes the series good yeah it was ambitious and unique but ultimately confused and messy and as a 
I mean, it's the kind of game where you can study it from a distance and appreciate the things it was doing. But the actual experience of playing it through today, which is the main metric by which we review it, is miserable. So, I I mean, I didn't have a good time playing through it. So um, it will be interesting to see what uh, what you think about it, James, because I've definitely got some thoughts to share. Um, was there anything else or should we launch into the story? Yeah, let's go for it. I think that the story is ultimately pretty paper thin. Um, and I'll avoid spoilers here for people who haven't played the game, even though as thin as it is. Um, but I will raise one significant complaint. I, I think that the story starts out quite interesting. Um, 47 searching for meaning in religion to me makes a lot of sense. You know, he's a clone. Um, he killed all his fathers. He doesn't really have a connection to anything except the agency. And the agency was the one that was sending him to murder people. Him retiring to a small village to, you know, commune with God makes perfect sense to me. And him developing an attachment to the priest who got got kidnapped also makes sense it even makes sense insofar as when the priest gets kidnapped he goes back to the agency and um and works for them in exchange for information but unfortunately after that point i feel the story completely breaks down so what he he gets a ransom note saying that he needs to spend five hundred thousand dollars and um if he does so the priest will be returned to him and he is broke apparently apparently he doesn't have any money which first of all i don't believe but let's just assume for a second that's true in the very first mission with um with diana when you're speaking to her he basically she basically says the standard contract is a hundred thousand but and he demands three times as much so for the very first assassination he would get 300 grand so theoretically after two missions he would have enough money to pay this ransom but instead he continues to kill person after person after person for the agency uh, for no real reason or no real benefit, and it doesn't seem like a fair exchange. The agency finds one person for him or the agent, or he pays off the ransom, and in return he literally murders 20 impossible targets. Did, did you get that kind of... Um... Yeah, I felt like the story... I liked the setup. Um, like you did um, I think it kind of fell apart they just kind of like dropped it until the very end it's like the story exists um, at the very start of the game and then you do a whole heap of missions and then the story like comes back into life near the end um, there are little bits and pieces that happen throughout the middle of the game but and you know I don't really mind this um, I don't mind having this game be primarily you know gameplay driven this is a game about the individual missions with just a bit of you know fluff on the outside to tie it all together and I don't really have a problem with that um, but like you I think that there was a lot of oversight in a lot of the story beats that don't quite fit together um, and it was actually quite noticeable it wasn't like um you know this is just in the background it was like they would say and like the characters would say and do things that don't make sense like all the time like the example you gave um you know i felt like i was doing you know 10 times the amount of work and getting very little in return from you know the characters that i was supposed to be interacting with yeah i think um ultimately it just feels like a missed opportunity for me because the setup is so strong um but yeah, as you said, the story happens at the start and the end. Like you, I mean, at the end of the day, I didn't really care too much. The story mainly exists for you to go from A to B in a bunch of different exotic locations to kill a bunch of people. 
Um, but I would say, like, as a comparison point, I think this story is, like, significantly weaker than something like Splinter Cell. And Splinter Cell is another, you know, comparable game in the stealth genre. Um, Splinter Cell doesn't have... I, I think they had an opportunity to explore this personal angle with 47 that they just don't really do until the very end of the game. And in the end, it's it's pr- I found it pretty unsatisfying. So, yeah, not not too hot on the story, even though it's not a very critical part of the larger experience. There is one thing I do like about the story that we haven't, you know, touched on is that there is this element that there is more going on in the story than first meets the eye and you kind of, you know, fully understand I guess the entirety of the story by the end of the game. And I think having this and I don't think it's like the best example Um, of a story that you get extra mileage out of playing through a couple of times but I think the idea of having that kind of story where playing through the game two or three times lets you fully grasp what's going on kind of fits this style of game where you do want to be replaying the levels in order to tackle them in different ways so um, execution wise I wasn't so hot on it but the like the idea is there for me yeah that's that's a good point um I think Codename 47 does it even better though uh, as you're playing Codename 47, you'll discover letters between your fathers, uh, which are, you know, have these little tidbits of information. And I think that the cutscenes end up being um, fine, but not as, uh, it doesn't feel like you're stumbling upon something as secret when you discover these notes between these uh, generals. Honestly, I don't think the story's a huge step up from the first game. Presentation-wise, absolutely is. Um, in a couple of the cutscenes, but other than that, I think the like the quality of the writing hasn't improved that much over the first game. I found ultimately, like I found it kind of inoffensive. Um, I didn't like see it as a negative against the game or anything. It's just like I would never ever tell somebody to play this game for the story, right? Yeah, and and that's that's basically where I stand as well. So so let's get to the big part of this discussion. You know, we'll probably most of the episode, and that's the discussion of the gameplay. So before we get into the meat of the gameplay discussion, I think it's a good idea just to briefly lay out to those who haven't played a Hitman game before what these games actually play like on a very basic level. So they're third-person action slash stealth slash puzzle games uh you get dropped into a location whether it's an embassy a mansion um it can be as mundane as like a hotel lobby or a bazaar in a marketplace and each of these locations tends to be crawling with guards and civilians not so many like uh when you're on the streets in cyberpunk 2077 but very densely packed to the point where having an open firefight is heavily discouraged because you'll be shot at from every direction. Um, your goal in most of these missions, there are a couple of different ones, is to assassinate a target or to assassinate two targets. You're a hitman, your job is to kill someone, but you need to reach that target first. You might be at the bottom level outside of a mansion and the target is on the second floor of the mansion in that office. And there are layers and layers of security in between you and your target. So by finding back entrances, donning disguises, and essentially finding a path through the level where you won't get detected, you can stealthily and slowly make your way through the layers of security until you get to your target and then you can kill them. The thing that makes Hitman 
special compared to say a game of Dishonored which also has a lot of similarities in that you're a hitman and you're trying to assassinate a target is that in order to get past some of these checkpoints and obstacles you need to do a little bit of puzzle solving it's not as simple as just sneaking through finding a path to sneak through a level you need to find a device or you need to find the cup of poison water to poison to bring up because the target that you're going after is surrounded by 15 guards and there's no other way to do it except by poisoning them and there's a lot of variations on this theme but that's the that's the gist of the experience it's not a pure stealth game it's a social puzzle stealth game but you know depending on the level what uh what area it emphasizes is very different so that's that's a basic overview of what a hitman game is like but now i want to talk about some of the changes from codename 47 to uh silent assassin because they are many and they are significant yeah so um to name a few um the way the map works is different uh you now have a full view of equipment drop-offs points of interest guard and civilian locations and even that orientations whenever you bring up your map and it's like a full-scale map it only displays the current floor you're on but it's about as comprehensive as you can get for the map um you now get saves mid-mission saves so james and i both played on the medium difficulty which gives you two saves per mission and then on a couple of the larger missions you'll get bonus saves for talking to people or reaching certain points so it's two saves per level and up to four on specific missions um there are more working stealth mechanics in this game you have more guards patrolling around you can crouch to hide behind cover. Sneaking actually works in Codename 47. When you were doing sneaking, you kind of walked up behind a guard, entered sneak mode, and then performed an attack. But whereas now, sneaking is a thing you can do to avoid detection and make less noise. Um, you have stuff like looking through keyholes. Uh, there are locked doors that you can pick. Um, they've reworked how shooting works uh, instead of getting this weird bloom weapons more have I guess more accurate recoil so you can control weapons a bit better and overall they kind of function better there's a first person mode uh, for shooting in first person although it's fairly jankily implemented there's a whole new suspicion system where wearing disguises isn't a binary you know you're either safe or not safe there's now like an in-between um there's a whole bunch of stuff that has changed for the, the game um most of which are changes for the better and it's kind of like expanding on things that the game did but there are a couple of things that are that aren't for the better so james out of all that stuff where would you like to start what, what what's the first thing that we should talk about with hitman 2 silent assassins gameplay so honestly for me the biggest change and the biggest most notable improvement to the game over the predecessor uh is the inclusion of this save system that you mentioned uh the non-existent save game mid or mid-mission checkpoints in the first game was like easily my biggest gripe with the game and it made playing through the game an absolute chore um the addition of saves in this game made it so much better for me to play through i you know, cannot express enough how much more, you know, I ended up enjoying going through levels because of being able to, like, save at critical moments. Um, I don't think it's perfect, but I do actually quite like this idea of having limited save states because this is a game where you can put your saves like at any place in the level um, but you kind of have to pick and choose your point 
Um, because we've spoken about, you know, different save systems on this show for a bit. And generally we've been, you know, up and down on save states in general, because sometimes they make the game too easy, but they're also really convenient. I like the balance that this system strikes, where you have the convenience um, of being able to choose where to save, but it's not, like, abusable because you can, like, save before literally every guard section. I was actually, you know surprised i haven't seen something like this in a game before i think for the most part it works really well um codename 47 did have a respawning system which was the jankiest thing yeah. ever in the original game if you died you would respawn but the alert status wouldn't have changed so you would die in one spot respawn in a safe spot walk out the door and all the guards would continue to shoot you it was it was terrible and didn't make any sense um this is far better, and I think a big part of why it works is that the scale of missions has generally been shrunk down to be kind of denser, uh, and it feels very natural where you should save the game. Like, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm about a third of the way through this mission, I can put a save here. And even having two saves, I never really felt the need that I needed four or five. I don't know how well a system like this would work in a game like Splinter Cell, which is kind of you going through specific linear locations. I don't think it would work in a level like a game like Thief either, because the Thief levels are so large and sprawling that um, you would need to have like 10, 10 saves or to, to give you a comparable number of saves. But for most of the silent assassin levels two saves is perfect and um it works really well i think one thing that makes it i guess workable in this game is the map system like the map is really comprehensive so when you start the mission the first thing i generally did is look at my map and from my map you can kind of tell because it shows you like if you click through the different floors of the level you can see where your target is you can see where all the guards are and you can kind of in your head figure out you know how far like through the level you want to get before spending one of your precious saves whereas like in Splinter Cell and like Thief, you don't really know how long a level is until you do the whole thing once. So I feel mm. like you don't really know where to put your saves. But here, I always had a pretty like good guess like about where like how much content I would want to do before spending one of them. Yeah, it's pretty easy to identify the the major obstacles to your progress. It's like if if I can get through this section. I've completed a good chunk of the mission. And you're like, well, I can easily do a save after that. And then I'll face the next obstacle. And usually there's only two to three of those major obstacles to your progress. So it just kind of all fits nicely. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about the save system? Because you mentioned the map, and the map is definitely something I want to talk about. Yeah, so there's a couple consequences of the save system that I think that has had on the gameplay um, other than... Uh, specifically, you know, making it more convenient. I think that because you're now able to save, they've been able to up the difficulty of a lot of areas because if in the first game it was super difficult, you'd have to play through the level the entire way through every single time. But because now you can play through specific sections over and over, they can kind of boost the difficulty of the game a bit without it feeling too punishing. I'm not sold on the difficulty level that they ended up on with this game, but I do think that overall it's a positive step up in addition to the saves. 
I am um, I'm really conflicted about this notion of difficulty level in these in Hitman Two and Hitman Codename Forty Seven because it feels to me like all the difficulty is in understanding what it is you need to do and it's basically nothing to do with the execution of how you do it once you understand how to get through a level it's generally not difficult to do it it's all you know difficulty through iteration it's like how do i how do i do this whereas when i was playing other stealth games like um splinter cell and thief i definitely felt like um the execution was a big part of it so I wouldn't consider this game to be... I mean, it's difficult in the sense that you can't just run through it blindly, but once you know what to do, it's not difficult to actually do it. I think there are some specific levels that have uh, tighter execution requirements than others. In general, so I... So give me, give me an example and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. Okay, so there, one of the first levels that takes place in Japan um, sees you sneaking into this guy's mansion um, in order mm. to assassinate him. Um, and the level starts off with you outside of the mansion and you have to get your way in without being spotted. Um, and you kind of have to like slowly work your way around in order to get into the back entrance. And there's this like really specific spot um, just before you get to the back entrance where there's like a big boulder in the middle of this garden. Um, and you kind of have to like uh, like sneak around the boulder so that you're you know, on the opposite side of the boulder to a couple of other guards while also, you know, judging your distance because there's like, there's like two guards. So you can't just be 180 across from one of the guards. You kind of have to like uh, juggle. So I found that one to be enjoyable. Just to clarify, is this tracking Hayamoto where you have to plant the tracker inside the inside sun? inside the sun? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, I okay, that's a fair point. I did find that one um pretty tricky, and I actually resorted to using my gun a fair few times on that mission because <laughs> I was struggling to find the perfect patrol route. But once I figured out that that's I, I guess that brings us to you know going for silent assassin versus using your other yeah. tools, but. Once I had figured out a way to disarm the guards by shooting them in the head in a particular order and then dragging the bodies to hide them, I, I found my own path through the patrols, I guess. It wasn't difficult to do. It just um, took a while to actually figure it out. And then I had to figure out the next stage of the mission. But but the, the difficulty, like I said, is all tied to... Um, figuring out how to get through it and then once you know how to do that you can kind of just repeat exactly the same steps and they'll and it will you know shake out exactly the same way i guess this is kind of leading us into the the talking about the rating system um so let's do that then and talk about this level from that point because actually i didn't get too many perfect scores but this was one level which i did get a perfect score on um, mm. And I found it to be quite rewarding for doing so, um, as opposed to like some of the other levels, which I don't think it's as, you know, it feels as good. So Silent Assassin has introduced a rating system to Hitman, which is something that, you know, the series is quite well known for these days. But it was, you know, the first time it was implemented in the series here. So basically... When you go through a level, you kind of the game kind of tracks how many people you're killing, how stealthy you're being, um, whether or not you've triggered any alerts, um, and then at the end of the level, it gives you a rating based on how well you did. 
with the best one being silent assassin and the worst ones being like mass murderer or executioner or that kind of thing uh there's about like what like 30 or 40 of these there's quite a lot and there's you know quite a variety of ones you can get based on how you do the level um and to me this introduction of this new system um kind of made me i guess more cognizant of the way I was approaching each level in the game because in the first game I was very happy just to beat the level and that was it whereas in this game because of the rating system I felt compelled to try and do the best that I could in a given level and for a few of those levels that I really liked um, I actually ended up spending the extra time you know to get that perfect score after a few hours um, of painstaking trial and error. Um, and I think that this, you know, tracking Hayamoto level was one of the ones that was quite fun to get Silent Assassin on overall. So the way I view um, these Silent Assassin rankings and like perfect ratings, I mean, Metal Gear Solid 3 has a comparable one called Foxhound, where you pretty much go through the entire game getting no detections, um, is that they're more of a new game plus thing than something that I'm going to actively pursue on a first playthrough. Uh, what I did was I got the rating of shadow or professional on like 90 to 95% of the missions with one or two silent assassins in there where I wouldn't hesitate to shoot someone in the head and take their uniform if I thought that that was the best path forwards. But I would always reload a save if a gunfight broke out. So I was kind of strategically killing one or two, probably... Uh, at most like three to four people but usually just one or two um and trying to take the path of least resistance but i wasn't not killing guards in order to in order to get the silent assassin rating and um i enjoyed playing the game like that a lot um and i think that if i would ever replay the game i would definitely be going for the silent assassin rating i think i think it's a good addition um but i think uh, you you shouldn't feel like you slavishly have to try and get at every mission in order to have the true Hitman experience or anything. Yeah, see, it was funny because I kind of felt like really compelled to try and do the best that I could. Um, one thing that annoyed me was you could get zero kills except for the target in a mission whatsoever. But if you got one alert, like um, you put someone to sleep and then they ran for a guard when they woke up, it would give you an executioner rating, which I thought was like didn't make any sense at all. Um, I ended up getting that a couple of times, which was a bit frustrating um but like in general i felt kind of like all or nothing about the levels in this game like either the level felt really well designed to me and i really wanted to get a you know a silent assassin rating because i liked the level so much or you know the level had some really uh questionable design throughout it and like i felt like really annoyed by that and so i would just you know resort to just using guns a lot more <laughs> um you know it kind of how much how well crafted the level really depended on how willing I was to go for that higher rating. I think that this is probably a good time to talk about from what my reading are the probably most infamous levels in um in Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, which are the ones uh 
the ones in Japan hidden valley and at the gates? Because I'm sure that when you're talking about the levels that you found frustrating, those were the ones that came to mind. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So hidden valley and at the gates are quite notorious levels for the uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they're massive and empty, which is kind of boring. And two, and more importantly, the guards on this level are super anal. Like you can be in a guard uniform, and every single guard you walk past is going to try and walk up and ID you. Like it feels very wrong um, in a Hitman style game where the whole like gimmick of the series is having cool disguises and like slipping the way. You know, you know, being stealthy in plain sight. It kind of like ruined it for me. Um, in addition to that, these levels are actually kind of buggy too. So they take place in these snowy mountains, right? And there are these, you know, these guards everywhere and these trucks driving through these underground tunnels and these, you know, um, you know, these ninjas patrolling the tunnels. And something that can happen um, is that the guards in their patrol routes will often cross the road. Uh, and sometimes them crossing the road will line up with the trucks driving on their patrol route, but they just, they don't care about each other, so a truck will run over a guard randomly and it'll, like, screw your rating, because apparently that's your fault. Um, that happened to me, like, every single time I tried this level. I just gave up and just gunned everyone down and ran through it. So it's time to be controversial, James. I didn't love these missions, but I actually thought they were completely fine i had no significant issues with these levels at all oh. so i think the first reason for that is that i didn't care about getting the um the silent assassin rating so i wasn't trying to get through these levels with this perfect rating so i think that's number one reason why it doesn't bother me as much because i can understand if you're trying to get through these levels and they're bugging out and and they're hard to get yeah that would frustrate the hell out of me but if you're perfectly happy to just shoot some people in the head, it's completely fine. So I took a path in that first one where I um, went through the trees to avoid the sniper fire, kind of divvied round to the left, um, shot a guard in the head to get his uniform, went down into the um, into the tunnels. I weaved my way around the columns, um, maybe taking out a guard if I and using my crossbow if I was in trouble. Went back up went to another station, went back into the tunnels, went back up and was able to finish the mission. Um, I was able to avoid detection from the snipers and um, I killed a lot of guards. That level was probably um, six or seven over the course of that mission. But as an infiltration mission, as a stealth mission, I thought it was perfectly functional and worked fine. Yeah, like I think it is the rating system, specifically that bug where you know a truck will randomly run over its own guards uh really frustrating because i was trying to get sa on this mission and i just gave up you just can't do it it's fucking ridiculous um but why why has this mission because maybe you can explain better to me because i can't understand it yeah i get that if you're going for this specific rating it's annoying but at the end of the day it's just an arbitrary pat on the back like i think that the stealth mechanics and level design of the mission is actually fine you, you can't walk right past the guards but it's not like you're put in situations where you have to stroll past guards the you just have to sh kill a few and i don't know i don't know if that's a reason for this mission to receive the widespread condemnation it has i think it is like i feel like 
if you play like Thief and you run through the whole game with your sword, you're playing the game wrong. Like you're doing yourself a disservice for doing that. Whereas, like, well, that's not a fair comparison though, because this game is called Hitman and you have guns and you have silenced weapons. Uh, I shot people in the head when I was playing Splinter Cell. That doesn't mean that I was playing the game wrong. There are plenty of situations where I would shoot a guard. I I didn't I didn't turn it into a third person shooter, but I did strategically take out some guards as I was sneaking through. That's not me playing the game wrong. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, it's still broken, right? Like there is a rating system here, and I was because I had gotten SA quite a few times up until that point, and I was like, you know, I was pretty proud of myself for spending the extra time getting you know, this extra rating, and then I get up to this one mission that's, like, basically impossible because of a bug, and was like, well, that's shit. Okay, sure. I, to me, it's, it's, a, it's an overreaction. The, the missions are fine. They're not masterpieces. They don't reach the heights of the other missions, but, but it's fine. So there's one other major criticism I have of the level. Um, so one of the main gimmicks of the level is that there are these sniper towers, um all that throughout the bit and what what happens is you'll hide behind these trees and you'll use your binoculars or like you'll squint at the screen to look at the sniper in the tower and occasionally the sniper will look behind him for a few seconds and during that window um you can move between trees like you can usually move between one to two trees but there are these bigger gaps you need to wait for the opening to get through um a number of times, and I confirm this by watching other people play online, um, the sniper was not looking at all, um, and I'd cross between, and he'd just randomly look at me. Um, mm. Like, that happened to me, that happened to people I was watching doing it. Um, it was really frustrating, like, especially at the very start of Hidden Valley. It telegraphs the, the you know, the NPC looking at you, and then it just kind of, like, bugs out and sees you anyway a lot of the time. With Hidden Valley, I found a path that I could take that was safe through the trees 100% of the time past the first sniper. Then I could time getting past the second sniper when I emerged from a tunnel, and then I wasn't encountering any more snipers. So I found a way to get through without getting towed by a sniper. On the second mission in the snow, which is called um, At the Gates, uh, provided you walk in a uniform, you don't get targeted by the snipers. It's only when you start running that you get targeted. So you can just walk and be safe. Um, and once again, I, I, I just don't really stand. That. I know that these aren't traditional hitman missions, but to me, infiltration can still be a fun part of the mission. And I found that this idea of you need to stay away from the guards actually worked fine in the mission because there were these big open spaces so it's not like there was something that wasn't cohesive about the level design it's not that you could do it you just had to approach them different differently and be prepared to shoot a couple of people in the head on the way so if all the ire is literally well i can't silent assassin it i think it's overblown i think these missions are fine yeah, I, I didn't like them at all, to be honest. Like, the missions that I liked in this game particularly um, were the ones that had all of these little puzzle elements throughout the game. Like, you could uh, 
take out a bunch of different targets in a bunch of different ways that were interesting. For example, um, in the tracking Hayamoto level that we mentioned before, um, one thing that you can do is that you can go to the kitchen um, and, you know, in the food you can, you know, you can cut some poison fish and stick it in the food along with the tracker and then have one of either the, have the serving lady take it to them and feed them the poison. Or you can, you know, take one of the serving people outfits yourself um, and serve them the food yourself and watch it happen. This kind of thing happens in a couple of other levels, whereas this level was just like get from point A to point B. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of value the series for the idea of uh, being able to use your, like, uh, your clothing in interesting ways, and it kind of takes mm -hmm. that element away from you, and I really didn't like that. Like, I think it's fair to say that, like, on its own, um, it's not as bad as people say, um, but to me, it doesn't feel like a Hitman level. Like, it's not a bad level, it's a bad level in this series. Yeah, I, I guess the thing that really stood out to me about the level was you've got a... I guess a similar level in Codename 47 where you get dropped into the jungle for the first time. And that was the worst where, level in the game. <laughs> yeah, where there's no... But but the thing about that level was you had incredibly low draw distance so you couldn't see anything. And you kind of just ran around with an M60 gunning people down. I felt when I was playing that mission that I had a strategic, stealthy approach that I could make and that the gameplay of that was solid. And I once again, I don't want to say all oh, of these are the greatest levels ever. I just want to state I think they were fine and functional, and I don't know what all the fuss is over. <laughs> and I certainly think that there are worse levels in this game. But uh, yeah, that's that's what it boils down to. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, So you're fine with the levels. I really didn't like them. I've got them in my bottom three. I've got a list that I've written here. Um, So we're about 40 minutes in. We should have a music break. Patrick, did you have a song for us yeah so the song i wanted to share with everyone was japanese snow castle um overall i was quite high on the music uh there were a couple that i didn't love i didn't like the afghani themes and i wasn't too hot on the indian themes but on the whole it's a really interesting mix of orchestral music with each and every track really corresponding to the um to the geographical area in which it came from um we'll talk about it more after the break but uh this is japanese snow castle was Japanese Snow Castle and like Patrick I'm also quite high on this soundtrack. Um, something that 
you know, we've seen a lot on the show when doing stealth games is a lot of soundtracks with like ambient noise and a lot of like tense, you know, uh, slow tempo. This this soundtrack kind of goes in the opposite direction in a lot of ways and for me really succeeds at marrying some really clandestine themes uh, with a lot of like bombastic orchestral themes as well. Like uh, when you listen to the songs in this game, you get this feeling that you are sneaking about and trying to do, you know, uh, a covert assassination, but you also get, you know, the grandeur and, you know, extravagance of the locations they're in, which are often quite larger than life. You know, you go to these, you know, amazing uh, mansions and palaces and castles, um, and you do get that coming through in the music, which I really enjoyed um, as a big juxtaposition to the, you know, the like often quieter and slower themes you generally get in these games. Um, that's there too, but I think that for me, like this, you know, marrying of the two, you know, styles of music worked really well. I think they did a great job here. Critically, there's no gameplay problems with having, I guess, more more in your face music. Uh, other, if you were playing Thief and you're sitting there behind a doorway trying to listen to footsteps, you could not have music like you can in Hitman. But Hitman doesn't really use audio as a gameplay device. Like, if you run, people can hear your footsteps. But really, and, you know, people can hear your gunshots. But there's never really a point where you need to be actively listening to um to, to footsteps at any point or noise at any point in this game. Most of the time, you're walking around in pure sight of everyone and you can see everyone at the same time. So um, I agree with James the way he said it marries these... um. The, the extravagance of the places you're going with uh, with clandestine themes is really well done, and um, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. Mm, absolutely. So this is a you know a, a big surprise because it's a huge step up from the first game, in my opinion, which I don't think had bad music, but this is really really good, really good stuff. Um, so Pat, where did you want to go with the gameplay now? Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about is definitely the map because I think there are good parts of what they've done with this map but I actually think they've gone too far so the first game I don't think had a map at all from memory it was all just you had to mentally map out the um the places that you were going so I remember when I did uh, the Li Shi Tan assassination and traditions of the trade it took me a long time to get to grips with the layout of those locations because I was you know there's a lot lot of doors and open and close and you had to gradually figure out how it all fit together before it came together in your head um Hitman Tucson Assassin has a very detailed map so the things I like about the map uh, it shows you where your equipment drop-offs are, and it shows you, most interestingly, where points of interest are, which is an enormous thing in aiding you in figuring out what it is you need to do next. So, for example, uh, on the level, um, the one in Malaysia, Basement Killing, you get notified that there's a point of interest in the laundry, and it's a laundry chute that you can drop things down, whether it be a smoke bomb or um, weapons for you to pick up at a later date. But importantly, on your map, it tells you that that point of interest is there. So you, when you when you get into a mission, you can visit all the points of interest to help identify what it is you need to do next. Um, so before I go on to the parts I dislike, James, what what how did you feel about having the points of interest kind of like 
so clearly uh, clearly pointed out to you instead of having to discover them for yourself. So I really liked the fact that they were marked on the map as points of interest, but they didn't kind of like shove it in your face how you were supposed to use these points of interest. So what this does is it kind of like leaves the puzzle element of the level intact while drastically cutting down on, I guess, the exploratory phase of the level. So you're not like wandering around aimlessly for like half an hour and then, mm. you know, putting a plan into action. You can much quickly get a plan together and it makes the pace of the levels feel, you know, way better than the first game. I really was happy to just, you know, go one by one to these levels, think, okay, this is there, this is there, this is there, explore for a bit, and then, okay, I'll, you know, restart the level and do my route now. Whereas, like, in the first game, I felt like I was doing so much trial and error um, before, you know, getting to, you know, my solution for the level. So I I also really appreciated this. I think it was a great addition. Yeah, importantly, just knowing that a point of interest is there, you don't know what it is. Like it's kind of, it's just an exclamation mark on your on your map. So it's still fun to discover. And just knowing that it's there doesn't mean that you can get to it. Like uh, you you might need to get the right uniform or distract someone in the right way before you can even find out what it is that you're discovering. So it doesn't, you know entirely remove the excitement it's not like you're being told what to do it just gives you a little push in the right direction so like james big uh big fan of it where i think the map goes too far is in having the location and orientation of every single npc on the level you're on and i think it it's ridiculous because what will happen, there's this keyhole looking mechanic where you can look through the keyhole to see what's on the other side. And it's functionally useless because if you open your map, it shows in real time every single person on that map, where they're walking, the speed they're walking, and the direction they're facing. And I think that if there was one thing I'd want to change about this game above and beyond everything else, it would just be to remove every indication of a person from this map because it kind of babies it for you. You don't need to observe patrol routes from your perspective. You can just open up your map every few seconds and the game basically plays itself. I disagree strongly um, with that. Like, you still need to sit and wait and observe, I felt. You know where the enemy is and where they're looking, but there isn't like, you know, like a dotted line that shows you where they're going to be walking and, it, you know, at what time this guy's going to be here and what time this guy's going to be there. Like, you still need to observe, but I do kind of agree that this kind of resulted in me sitting still with my map open and just watching a map for like three minutes and then being like, okay, now I know, you know, I'm not like looking at the game world. I'm just looking at this like abstract diagram for, you know, quite a while. Um, and I think that this kind of will tie into one of my other points, um, which is that I think the walk speeds in this game are a bit too slow because you do spend like, I reckon, like half the time in game just sitting with that map open looking at it. It's not even like sitting still and looking at it. I would often take a few steps, open the map, take a few steps, open the map. Yep. Because, because it gives me perfect information. I think one of the great things about stealth games is being able to figure that shit out yourself look at the patrol routes, understand them. Um, and when you say come up to a corner, um, you're like, oh shit, there's someone walking towards me. Double back and hide. Wait for that person to pass. Keep going. You never get surprised in here, man. 
by by patrols you can't because you can see them coming from the other fucking end of the map it i don't even care that it doesn't make sense that you know that you shouldn't have a map that has active positions like that shit's irrelevant to me i've got suspension of disbelief the problem is it takes what is potentially a really the the part of stealth gaming that i love which is observing and you know making decisions based on those observations and it just turns it into a non-issue and you're just staring at this sheet of paper for, you know, 50% of your playtime playing this game. So I'm significantly down on this. I think this is the worst feature of Hitman 2 and it's not close. Okay, I actually like it um, overall. I still think that there's that element of observing patrol patterns. Um, I think that it's probably too strong. Like, you probably need to at least observe them physically before they'll appear on your map but like ultimately i kind of appreciated having that powerful information at my disposal it made me you know able to make good decisions better i didn't feel like the game uh played itself because of this map system like i still had to figure out where to go plan my patrol route observe you know figure out when guards would be at certain points um, and then you know set off on my way I'm nowhere near as low on this as you are. In fact, I think it added to my experience. Um, I generally kind of liked uh, having that powerful information at my disposal. Okay, so let me let me throw something else into the mix. Um, I think this is a this is a big big picture topic that links into what we're saying, which is the kind of game that Hitman is. Um, if you if I had to describe what Hitman Codename Forty Seven was, I would say it is a puzzle game. Um, it's not really a stealth game. I would say that Hitman 2 Silent Assassin starts to introduce a lot of traditional stealth mechanics, and it kind of ends up being a hybrid stealth puzzle game, but closer towards a puzzle game. Whereas the modern Hitman games, the games from 2016 to 2020, Hitman 1, 2, and 3, are probably full-blown immersive sims, and they've truly blended... Uh, traditional stealth gameplay, um, you know, pretty close to your Deus Ex or Dishonored with their unique puzzle solutions. I don't think this map system detracts from Hitman 2 Silent Assassin as a puzzle game. In fact, as I've said, I think it helps, but I think it significantly detracts from its enjoyment as a stealth game. It's still a good puzzle game. The map helps with the puzzle game elements, but it reduces the complexity and interest of sneaking around, avoiding detection for me significantly. So it's really that axis where, where I think the map fails specifically. Okay, that's, I think that's a fair point. And to me, like the strongest parts of this game are the puzzle elements. Like whenever there's an element that takes away from the puzzle aspect, I enjoy it less. Um, and I think that that's... Probably, you know, if we go back to talking about Hidden Valley, which is like more of a stealth level and less of a mm. puzzle level, that's probably why I don't enjoy it as much because I do view these games more like puzzle games where I have to try and figure out the solution and then I just get to go through the level, do my solution and it just works and that feels good to me. Um, one of the big changes in this game is that the AI is now has this, this suspicion, right? Like, mm. if in the first game, if you're wearing a costume or a disguise, rather, uh, and you walk past a guard, they just won't notice you. You're invisible. And in this game, however, if you walk too close to a guard, they'll notice you're a bald guy in a disguise and sniff you out, and then a gunfight will ensue. Um, and to me... 
I really didn't like that because it took away from the puzzle element side of the game. Like, I just want to, you know, if I figure out the solution, I get the solution. Um, and, you know, the best levels for me were the ones that were puzzles with multiple solutions. Like, when it's a linear level, it's not as fun that it's a puzzle game. But if you can replay the level and solve it in a bunch of different ways, I find that really satisfying. Um, so I guess for me, the map um, adds to, you know, the puzzling nature of the game, and because of that, I don't really mind it. Um, for me, stuff like, uh, suspicion, um, and the really wonky sneaking, um, and a couple of the other mechanics are really thought detracted from the game for me. Yeah, let's, let's jump into those things. Um, James, I love suspicion. Suspicion and how suspicion works in this game for for most of the missions. There's there's not like consistency f like throughout the entire game, but there's internal consistency for the missions. But the way the suspicion meter worked, I thought was brilliant. Um, so to give you an example mission, the one where I thought it really came together was an early Russian mission called Tubeway Torpedo. It's the one where you have to go and rescue the um the American agent from being interrogated. Mm -hmm. So basically that mission, um, the, the second part of it is you're in this kind of underground base with two levels and what you need, and you don a uniform either by, you know, picking one up or you do what I did, which is shoot someone in the head and don their uniform. And you basically slowly walk your way through this, uh, this two level base trying to avoid detection and trying to find the best path through. So the way suspicion works is that if you and another person walk past one another, or if there's a guard standing at the door and you walk past, your suspicion bar will flash a lot, but you will be able to get by undetected. It's only if you stay within that proximity for an extended period of time that you'll get detected. So you're always able to walk past a single guard provided you're not entering an area where you're not allowed to go. And the feeling of walking through this underground base with this uniform on, past another guard, seeing the suspicion bar flash, but just get past them before it gets too big a deal and being able to continue was really, really enjoyable. And I liked the tension of the situation. And it felt so much more engaging to me than the running around you used to do with your immortal uniform in hitman codename 47 i was tense and on edge as i was making my way through and that level was designed in such a way that you could get through without detection just by doing those careful pass buys at the right time in that patrol routes did did you not did you not enjoy that james was that not an enjoyable use of the suspicion meter okay so there's there's two parts to this for me because i think that what you're describing is valid and is something that I also felt while doing that level, which is like, it's like the fourth level in the game. It is really, mm. it feels really tense to go through that level. And I enjoyed that. The problem is that once you've played more of the game and you kind of understand how the suspicion works. Um, so one of the most major components of the suspicion system is your face. If, a, if an NPC is looking directly at your face, their suspicion will be higher than if they're not. Because that makes sense, right? Like, they know all the other guards who are working, you know, they've never seen you before, so now they know you're there. So what this ends up meaning is once you figure this out, 
Uh, you just walk backwards past every guard and they don't notice you. Or you, like, walk with your face buried in the wall or something, like, immersion breaking like that. It's like, at the start of the game when I was playing, I felt like you did, where it was very immersive and tense. And then near the end of my playthrough, with my face in the wall, I was like, this is stupid. Okay, well, I never figured that out in all my playthrough, that, that it was based on face. I thought it was just if they were looking at you. I didn't know it was your orientation. That's... That's a weird, weird gimmick. I, I, uh, that, that sounds garbage. That's kind of what I mean. Like, I agree that when you're playing this game for the first time, suspicion's really cool. But once you figure it out a bit, it stops being cool and it becomes annoying. So did you, did you feel the need to do that? Because like I said, you're always able to walk past someone. Like, you, you can do it 100% of the time. Were you, like, really pushing the limits of it and kind of... I, I don't know what you were breaking, but basically I was able to get past people no problem. I just had to be efficient with my movement. So, from the last game, um, you know, my biggest criticism of the last game was uh, the lack of saving, um, because on top of that, there was a lot of big open levels like the jungle where you were just doing lots of pointless running, like you'd spend half your time doing fuck all, like just holding forward and waiting for four minutes. Um, and I think that this game doesn't entirely solve that, because there are some quite big levels um, with some empty space in them that... You know, you you got to just spend time just walking or waiting and you're just, you're not really, like, you know when the patrol route's going to walk past and then you can go, but you just have to wait for four minutes or you just have to walk for four minutes. Um, so one thing that I was actively trying to do was to try and get through the levels faster. Mm. Um, and something like sprinting in this game sets people's alert off like nothing else will. But if you, like, toggle sprint while not looking at people, you can get through faster. So I was trying to do that. So, like, to begin with, I was just not taking the chance of getting seen. But then I was, like, starting to, like, look away from guards while toggling sprint a little to get through a little faster. And, yeah, it just kind of became really janky. Um, I didn't feel, like, smart for playing this way, like I was breaking the game or I was, like, you know, doing it a bit faster. I felt like I was just avoiding, you know, the monotony because I was, like, completely disillusioned with the tension by the point that I'd realized that my face was what was important. See, yeah, it's weird. Maybe I'm the weird one in this regard. So the way I treated sprinting is that if I wasn't near guards, I would sprint, and then if I was approaching guards, I wouldn't sprint. And yes... Walking slowly can be boring. Like, I, I get that. You don't want to be walking slowly everywhere. But to me, that's just the kind of game Hitman is. If you are surrounded by enemies, you can't go sprinting through them. You have to take your time and walk carefully. And when I did my successful run through these missions, it felt right to be walking instead of... And I, I know you came up with methods to kind of like stutter step or whatever you want to call it through these situations. But I was completely happy to walk through that Russian base slowly. And I was completely... I mean, I was less happy about walking slowly through the massive open fields and, you know, the Japanese missions. Yes. But in the end, I was still... I could make my peace with that concept. And it wasn't a deal breaker for me because... I had a sniper trained on me, and yes, running would be suspicious. So yes, I need to walk at the patrol speed of all the other guards. 
Um, ultimately, this thing where you have to walk, and I know in the modern Hitman games, you can run without, a, Hitman 3 in particular, you can run with arousing zero suspicion because they want people to be able to move around fast. And I mean, that's fair enough. But um, in terms of like how frustrating did I found, find walking a lot? Mildly frustrating. And in the end, I think that walking around the place dramatically adds to your immersion um, when you're sneaking through these contested locations. So the suspicion system, the walking around slowly, um, I was I was fine with. And it's, it's disappointing to hear that it's so easily broken. I'm less talking about a level like Tachubwe Torpedo. Like, I think that's a really good level. It's in my top four. Mm. Um, and I think that the walking there makes a lot of sense. Something that I found annoying was like at the start of Invitation to a Party, where one of the things you can do is you at the start of the level, um, you know, because you, you need to get an invitation off one of the guests to get into the party. Um, there's a guy walking from the opposite side of the level who you can, you know, get an invitation from. And at the start of the level, you just need to do like, you know, a minute or two of running for no reason. Like, it's just like, I don't want to waste a save after, you know, that two minutes of running because it's not halfway through the level yet. So mm -hmm. if I restart the start of invitation to a party, I always have to do that like, mindless two-minute run where I just like look at my phone while holding W on my keyboard. Um, that's the kind of thing that I didn't really didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, some of the levels were really good about this because like you said earlier, some of the scales of the levels are really small. There are some really tight densely packed missions where this just isn't a problem at all because you know the smallness of the level and the density of the level means that walking everywhere is fine but then there's levels like um one of the first missions in saint petersburg uh which are really mm. large and there aren't that many guards so you just kind of like you know, you go into the sewers and you hold run for like four minutes and then you get up and then you run again for three minutes. It's like that kind of level. It's kind of annoying, um, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's just not fun because it's not like if I'm walking slowly through guards, I'm being engaged by the guards. If I'm mm. just running for the sake of running, I'm not engaged at all. It's boring. Yeah, I kind of think that's a level design issue though, isn't it? That they haven't, that they haven't, like that's not an issue with walking it's an issue with let's have a big empty area with nothing there and i kind of wonder with that saint petersburg mission i wonder if it was designed as a mission that you're meant to encounter in the mid to late game and there were a lot more guards around and then they're like man we can't make this mission this hard it's like the second mission in the game because there there are these weird there's these weird stretches in that mission where it's just like where it's just empty and it's like why Why are there not more guards to sneak around? Like, you get to the place where you shoot the sniper rifle and there's, like, no one in the building and it's it's just all, all very strange. I mean, I, I agree. It's weird because I agree that it is a little bit frustrating to have to walk slowly. Like, it is. Like, I'd, I'd want to go faster. It's just a part of the fantasy that I'm happy to buy into. Like I'm happy, I'm happy to for that part of the game to be slower, because if I could run around like I could in Codename Forty Seven, I think it's very immersion breaking. Now I will say, I wanted to return to that concept of consistency, because one of the big problems with the AI in this game is that it's not consistent in a holistic way. Uh, there is no 
meta set of rules to how different guards interact with you. The only real way to know what I can do in Uniform X in level Y is to test the boundaries of Uniform X and level Y. And I think that is incredibly frustrating. Once you've figured out the internal logic of a level, it's fun and it works really well. But I think that until you do figure out, it's kind of a mystery and it's what leads to the vast majority of you having to retry levels in Hitman 2. So in my experience, I think what you're trying to get at is like, so for example, there's a level called Basement Killing. Um, and in order to, you know, you're in this tall building um, and there are some metal detectors and uh, the way to the, you know, the target is through a bunch of, you know, guard checkpoints. And there's a number of ways you can do this level um, with a number of different uniforms. For example, you can... Uh, get a pizza boy uniform because the guy who you're assassinating likes to order pizza a lot or you can ring the fire alarm and steal one of the fire brigade uniforms um, depending on which uniform you take different npcs will react to it very differently for example the pizza boy uniform actually arouses a shitload of suspicion from specific npcs but it's not clear to you why you figure out that like the guards don't notice you when you're a pizza boy but the random guests of the hotel who i assume order pizza and know the the real pizza boy i fig like i guess that's what it must be because whenever i'd walk past a guard as a pizza boy i'd get through just fine and then randomly someone would come out of a bathroom and then everyone in the level pulled their guns out at me instantly and i was like what the <laughs> fuck is going on uh, and that happened to me, you know, in a few different levels. Um, you know, that's kind of what you mean, right? Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a mistake to say that the how the AI works with the suspicion is that it's broken or that it doesn't make sense. It, it does make sense and it does work. It's just very cryptic and it's very hard. It, it I would say in a lot of instances impossible to understand without you know going and looking at the wiki which which explains how all the different uniforms work in all the different areas but you can kind of come to an understanding by playing these missions over and over again and eventually get there like on that mission basement killing when the fire alarm is going you can run around with two desert eagles in your hand or one desert eagle you can't do a will but you can run around with any gun in your hand as a fireman and no one gives a shit yeah, and I mean, <laughs> how are you meant to know that unless you know you 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 try it out and then it, and then it works? So overall, if we if we look at the AI and the way suspicion works, overall for me it was a significant improvement over the first, which you could just kind of is very binary. You put on a uniform and you were the, you put on the right uniform, you were safe in the right area. I like it, but the the difficulty by which you know, like you've got real no way to know when and where you're safe in a given uniform, that's a problem. And I think this is something that the new Hitman games really effectively solve. Like the the uniform system in the newer hit game, newer Hitman games is pretty much perfect with the enforcers and everything, but it is a step up for me compared to the first game. So I want to talk about the single most aggravating thing in the entire game for me which is that the fact that these uniforms aren't consistent between levels either 
So mm, we yeah. we spoke about the Hidden Valley level, which is you're in Japan and you're sneaking you're you're sneaking through this valley, and you're trying to get to this castle, right? Um, so in the valley, you steal a black guard's uniform, um, and then in Hidden Valley. Uh, anytime a guard sees you, they'll come and check your ID, which, you know, I didn't like, but that's the way the level works. Um, in the mm. next level, at the gates, uh, they don't really do this as much, but they'll do it... Actually, no, they still do it there, but the snipers now won't shoot you. Um, if you walk. Y- if you run, they shoot yeah, you. Yeah, so that's a bit different. So it took me a while to get through these levels, because I was stubbornly trying to stealth through them until I gave up and just gunned my way through it. Um, so I was pretty conditioned to avoid guards, like, religiously at this point. So the third level in this series, um, has you in the castle, um, and you have the exact same guards, and they're patrolling around. So I actually got stuck at this level, Shogun Showdown, because I could not see any way to progress through the level. I like <laughs> You didn't find the hidden door. <laughs> no, no, no. I found the hidden doors, but there oh. there was this bit where um there's this area with these creaky floorboards. Um and then yeah, you just don't walk on the floorboards. No, that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. Um okay. and then just after that there's this laser door which you can deactivate with a key card. And mm-hmm. next to the laser door there are two guards. So I thought that in this level, the logic with the uniforms would be the same as the past two, and that if a guard saw me in uniform, they would come and check my ID and my cover would be blown. Um, so I had no idea how to get through those two guards without being seen. Ah, so I spent okay. like an hour wandering around trying to look for hidden passages, because there's a hidden passage right at the start of the game, which means there's potentially more hidden passages in the level. Mm. So I ran around like an idiot looking for hidden passages, and then gave up and watched a, a video, um, only to realize that guards actually don't check your ID on this level, and I could have just walked through the door yeah that sounds like a classic issue you'd encounter in the first game where you're like oh i can't get through there must be another solution and you know what that's that's a very fair criticism i um i just walked past like i mean it's possible i'm just an idiot for not trying it but you know like like you see what i I mean right yeah yeah no that's completely fair and i think it is an issue like you can kind of forgive the hotel cards acting differently from the assassins but why would one set of assassins wearing the same uniform follow different rules from the others so yeah i i agree that that is a significant problem with how it works i, I don't think you're an idiot James. i think you're an idiot for many other reasons but that's not one of them okay um so in general i want to say that i like the idea of the suspicion system um but i think that in a lot of cases the level design the movement speed and a couple of you know these cryptic factors make it not as good as it could have been um i do think it is uh, preferable to just being perfectly invisible all the time. I think it adds, you know, some, you know, sometimes you can be invisible and sometimes you are, and that's fun in its own way. Um, but I think there's, you know, a bit of variety added by having the suspicion there. I just think that the execution isn't quite where I'd want it to be. Mm. Um, James, let's have another music break. Uh, what, what, uh, what was your favorite song or what song did you choose? Um, so we were actually arguing about this before we started recording because we were like, we've played 
the castle theme, which has that, you know, that element of uh, bombast to it in addition to its, you know, like more subtle themes. Um, and I was thinking, you know, maybe we could contrast by playing one of the stealthier stealthier pieces of music. Um, and then I realized that my favorite piece of music is one that you actually really don't like, which is called Arabian Dance. And it's actually like one of the most like bombastic tracks on the soundtrack. I really enjoyed it. And I thought um, that was a pretty good use of instrumentals here um, that had it going from these like really highs to these more like, you know, subtler lows, but not quite. But I thought it still managed to fit the mood of the game. You told me you didn't like this at all, Pat. Well, I think it's not like I hated it. It's not like it's like this is the worst thing I've ever heard. It just didn't impress. I think it's just the repetition of the da 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 and it goes over and over and over again. <laughs> and um I feel like there's a lot more sophistication to um to the other themes on on this track. So yeah, it's probably one of my least favorite songs on the entire soundtrack. But it's not like I turned the music off when it came on. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Uh, I would have been very shocked if you'd turned the music off because uh, <laughs> the soundtrack's quite good. Um, so here it is, guys. This is the Arabian dance track. That was Arabian Dance. Patrick, we've been talking about the gameplay for a little while, and I feel like we still have quite a ways to go because there are quite a few changes here. Um, where did you want to go next? So I wanted to take some time to talk about the shooting. Um, and I know for many people this won't be a big part of their Hitman experience, but it, there's a couple of really interesting things about the shooting that I wanted to get into. So the first thing I want to say about the shooting is that it feels functional. It's not fun. It's not, wow, this is a great shooter game. 
but the shooting in Hitman Codename 47 was bad. basically non-functional. <laughs> it was, so it was bad. actively bad. You kind of pulled your mouse around the screen. The way gun bullets like kind of sprayed in every direction was awful. You can shoot and kill people in this game actually very easily. In fact, I think if you had to, the fastest way for a first timer to play this game is to just literally kill every single person on the map. And you could do that pretty easily. Mm. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit more specifically because the truth is I didn't play it as a third person shooter and I know you didn't, James. So I don't want to talk about and evaluate these games in terms of its strengths as a third person shooter. I want to talk about how the shooting worked in terms of how I interacted with it. I'm sure you did a little bit of shooting as well. Yeah, I mean, I basically used the silenced pistols exclusively as guns, unless I have to use a sniper rifle specifically for a mission. So I, like, I agree with you on the whole, it feels way better to shoot guns in this game. Like, uh, in the first game, I felt like sometimes, you know, you'd stand still and you'd put your cursor on a head and you'd just, like, completely miss and ruin the you like ruin your run because it alerted a guard whereas here i felt like i was almost always able to get the shot off when i wanted to yeah so like you i pretty much exclusively use the silence pistols occasionally i'd shoot a couple of bullets from a silence smg or i used the crossbow a decent amount on those japanese missions but i was always using the pistols and the way I would use them is that I would isolate a person and I would shoot a single bullet and that bullet would go on the head and the person would drop dead. So there's something kind of very niche I want to bring up, but which I think is actually incredibly critical to making this an enjoyable stealth shooter. And that's guard reaction time. So the guard reaction time is not instantaneous. If you come into someone's sights, and they see you, or even if they're running at you to check their ID, you have time to take out your pistol and shoot them in the head before they can raise an alarm, before they start shooting at you. And it's such a small thing, but it is so important in creating a feeling of a good stealth game, because they're not glacially slow. It's not like you have all the time in the world to line up the shot, and they're not lightning fast. It's not like you literally need perfect reflexes to get it off. There's just enough of a window. If you edge around a corner or open a door and a guard's standing in front of you, if you're quick enough to take a single shot to take that guard out. And it's fucking perfect because it means that if you're in a situation where you need to take someone out, you have the ability to do so without the game janking out on you and you having to reload your save. This is one of the only elements of the game where I feel like execution is actually relevant because I got a lot of satisfaction from getting those perfect headshots off. So did you have any experience with this, James? Did did you even notice this reaction time thing? No, no, I have to agree with you here. I do think they did it quite well. Um, most of the time... I was trying to avoid shooting when I could, like, to get um, Silent Assassin rating. And, you know, even though I say I was trying to do it on every level, I only got it, like, four times, maybe. 
Um, yeah, generally, you can get exactly one kill um, in addition to your target and still get that. So I was generally, you know, taking someone out early to get a, uh, a disguise and then going in. But on the levels where I was like, this level is kind of shitty um, for as a stealth experience, I'm just going to use guns a lot. Um, mm. I did notice that, you know, you could, you know, there's a, they've added a lean function and a, like a lean step. So if you double tap lean, you kind of like step sideways and you can get these sneaky shots. Really, you do it really quickly. Like you stand behind a pillar, you jump out to the side and, you know, aim and hit them in the head. That feels really good, actually. I thought um, there was that like there was that tiny window. Um, I think that guards should probably be a bit more lenient in some respects like if you don't have a weapon out and they think you're suspicious guards will just shoot at you instantly there's no like hey what are you doing here kind of stuff um which i think is mm. kind of immersion breaking at times i agree it's like i'm going to the laundry and all the security guards are shooting me with guns it's like, yes yeah. that's a little excessive isn't it <laughs> that's um, not the usual pizza boy get him <laughs> it's the, like what? the um the newer hitman games add this really cool um frisk thing where there are specific weapons usually like your fiber wire and some micro pistols that won't be detected upon a frisk so if you you have these situations where you need to you know, you'll be patted down by guards, but provided you have the right weapons, you you get off scot-free. And, you know, it, there's nothing that, you know, complicated in this game. They just shoot you if you're suspicious. Yeah. So it, I, I agree. It would be nice if there was more of an in-between um, state. Um, so I want to talk about the weapons some more, actually. Um, mm. So one thing they do introduce... Um, so there's kind of like your like base of operations that you visit between levels. Um, and in there, there's this storage shed where you, you know, the weapons you've collected, you put in there. And what this means is you can play through levels again with a different starting loadout. Um, I kind of had this criticism when we did, I think it was No One Lives Forever, where I thought that the variety in weapons you can use in a stealth sense was pretty poor. And I yep. kind of have the same criticism here, but here I think I have some more solid examples of why I think it's really disappointing, because sure. the idea of this where you get to, you know, go through a level with a different set of starting level, uh, with a different set of starting gear, and for it to be drastically different, like, when you start the game, you can see this as being something that's potential. I didn't find this the case at all. Like, I always just started with a silenced pistol um, and a, a set of anesthetic to knock people out with. There was, there's exactly one weapon um, in the loadout that you get, which is the crossbow um, that you mentioned before, that you can take to some other levels, and it drastically changes the way you play the level. But for the most part, like you, the the weapons you unlock aren't that interesting. Like you, you know, the golf club and the the knife. It's just a different melee weapon. Um, what I wanted from this system was like in a couple of levels you go to your supply drop and you get stuff like poison and you get stuff like remote detonated bombs which means you can mm. like put a detonated bomb near a target then walk out and blow it up. That's the kind of equipment I wanted to unlock with this system so I could go through you know take the remote bomb to the first level and just put it in his bed and then walk out 
and blow it up and then immediately exit the level. I think that would be fun, or you could, you know, you could get some poison on a level that didn't previously had poison and this would open up some gameplay in the kitchen that wasn't there previously, you know what I mean? That wasn't there for me, and I kind of had expected that to be the case and was a bit let down by it. So when I played the game, the more missions I played, the impression that I got was that each and every mission was designed with on-site procurement in mind, you know, Metal Gear Solid 1 style, where you start with only fiber wire, binoculars, and whatever, like compass or whatever it is. Yep. And then, and that's all. And that even taking a silenced pistol along, uh, like the most basic equipment, I don't think that these missions were designed with you to even do that. Because there's a very deliberate thing they do where they they seed weapons all over the map, including silenced pistols and in drop spots, which always seems strange to me. I'm like, why are they giving me a silenced pistol at this weapon drop? It doesn't make any sense. So I think what they did when they designed these levels was they designed you to go in with nothing and then you pick up weapons along the way and use them as you go. And I think that this weapon locker thing where you can just take stuff along was something that got added retroactively because the missions work fine with just a silence pistol for the most part as you said i think this broader problem that you raise of being given all these tools that you literally never use is one that i also find frustrating and i've found frustrating in every stealth game ever made um, it's a huge issue with the Metal Gear Solid games, particularly Metal Gear Solid 5, where maybe one-tenth of the research paths are relevant to you if you're trying to go for a non-lethal full stealth run. But at the end of the day, it is just extra stuff. Like, having extra weapons doesn't detract from the stealth gameplay that's there it's just annoying that there's not even more stuff yeah that's and that's kind of what i want to get to because like i feel like modern hitman games are based around this idea that you can replay a level a couple dozen times and you know have a different experience each time and i don't think that that idea um fully has you know fully existed in this game yet um, there are a couple of levels which I think you could play two or three times and have a different experience, but a lot mm -hmm. of them feel very linear um, in a sense. And, you know, the weapon locker to me implied this sense of replayability that, you know, never was fully realized throughout my playthrough of the game. And I found that immensely disappointing. Yeah. And broadly speaking, I agree with you. It's it's just wasted space. Like yeah. it, it just doesn't add anything to the experience, at least the way you and I played it. Like I'm sure lots of people when they were younger, this game was hard and they probably just played it as a third person shooter, having never been exposed to stealth games before and they were just running it and they thought it was a great feature. But if you're playing this game, you know, kind of in line with how this game was envisioned to be played, I think that it's, yeah, it doesn't add anything at all. Mm -hmm. um james i wanted to touch you brought up this idea of replayability and i wanted to touch a little on the um on the level design in relation to this so what i want to do is once again i earlier mentioned how you can how do you think of hitman as a game like a puzzle game a stealth game or a um 
or an immersive sim. And I think with Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, we are not at immersive sim levels yet. Because what I would typify, like if you play um, a level of Dishonored, like if you're playing Clockwork Mansion of Dishonored 2 or whatever it is, um, you know, the the prostitute level in um in in dishonored one you will carve a very specific way through that level that is uniquely your own or even if you play thief or whatever or system shock or whatever it is there's the exact path that you take through the level will be uniquely your own and you you can play that level 10 times and take a slightly different path every time hitman 2 is not at that level of replayability it's probably best to identify it as saying they're on the good level so i'm talking terminal hospitality like when i played through that mission i could see that there were all these different ways to pull off the assassination um even something like the jacuzzi job still felt like it had a few different paths through the level even though that level was tiny but it wasn't like I can do this in 30 different ways. It was, I can do this in three different ways, which to be fair is completely fine. Like that's a, that's a fine thing for Hitman to be. And it is a clear evolution over Hitman uh, codename 47, which was usually a single path thing. So I found Hitman to um, Silent Assassin's level design, a significant step up from the first even if and and I found it enjoyable, even if it's nowhere near the level of um of later immersive sims. So I kind of agree with you. I think that you know there are like two or three solutions to each individual level. You know, we, they haven't hit that um, critical mass of replayability that makes the series really fun, which the, I think uh, you know IO will find in you know Blood Money and Contracts and Forward. Um, that you know people really enjoy that about the series they haven't found that yet um, there are a couple of instances where they do get close like you said terminal hospitality um, mm-hmm. an invitation to a party were really good the one that kind of worked the best for me was this small level called murder at the bazaar um, which is a very small level where you have to take out two targets who are quite close together Um, And what I liked about this level is I've played through it once, um, you know, and I snuck up into this guy's house and I shot him, and then I snuck up onto this other guy and I shot him. And then a few days later, um, when I was doing my notes for this, like this episode, I went back and I played that level again, and this time I took the crossbow with me. And taking the crossbow with me into that level changed it completely, which is what I wanted from the rest of the game but didn't get. Because with the crossbow in your arms, um, you know, everybody, no matter what you're wearing and no matter at what distance, if someone sees you high alert, they'll start shooting at you. So immediately the paths you can take through the level are completely different, but the crossbow's silent, so you can actually, you know, do this really fancy stuff where you climb to this top of the building, you shoot out this glass, which will, you know, frighten one of the targets but not set an alert, cause him to run out and towards the gate, which is in the view of your sniper vantage, um, and then you can, you know, get the kill that way, which is completely different to the way I did it the first time. And this is the kind of thing I really wanted to be the case through all the levels, um, but in the end, it was probably only the case for like two or three out of the what, like ten. Um, so mm. I think that. Uh, Silent Assassin's level design has dramatically improved over the previous game, 
but I wouldn't say that I love it yet. I would say that I now enjoy a bunch of levels, but still, you know, a lot of the levels I'm pretty down on as well. One of the things that holds it back in my mind is the lack of, you know, traditional sneaky stealth mechanics. Like there's no crouching to go through vents or there's not a whole lot of jumping over objects. You have these specific, like there's no jump key. If you go up to specific balconies, you can press E to do an action of climbing over the balcony, but you can't, that's kind of stuff isn't naturally integrated into the level designs. So you're not finding these stealthy pathways to take you that mm. are shortcuts through the level. Or, it just doesn't exist. It's it's very, the level design tends to be very flat in the, in that regard. There's not a whole lot of verticality. Although there is a little bit specifically on that murder at the bizarre level. There's a specific vantage point that's quite good. But um, it ends up being, um, yeah, it ends up just falling more on the puzzle side of it. Um, the mission that I replayed was actually the very first mission. Um, where you have to go into the um, the Italian mansion. And I, I don't know if this was the first way you did it, James, but I found a little um, ledge that I could sneak around to get behind behind the guy when he was at his desk instead of, you know, doing what I did, opening the door and shooting him in the face in my not-too-subtle assassination <laughs> attempt on my first run-through. And it was really cool finding that pathway. But now that I've found it, I mean... There's nothing else really to it, right? Like, it's yeah. been found. I would say that the biggest issue is that a lot of the solutions are very binary. There's no... There's a very limited amount of player expression um, that you can get by getting better at these levels, I feel. Like, there's not heaps of emergent gameplay you can discover by getting really good at the game and doing, like, you know, beating the levels a hundred different ways that, are, you know, maybe even the people who made the game didn't even think of. Like, it's always, like... Uh, you know, you get the wine and you put the poison in it. But it's not just like any wine. It's like this specific glass in the kitchen that you pick up and put the poison in. Like uh, all of the ways to kill the target other than just, you know, using a different gun are very scripted and very puzzly. So you don't feel like you feel good when you figure out the solution that's, you know, the non-lethal way. But you don't feel like you're a, you're a sneaky genius um, whenever yeah. you do these. I feel like I'm doing a lot of describing what the game is not, but I still think that's useful for understanding what kind of game Hitman is. Like, for example, you don't have guards with different security clearance for different doors, and if you can knock out the right guard, you have access to this door, which gives you um, which gives you a path through the level which you wouldn't normally have. You can't throw objects to create a noise to distract guards to like throw this thing over here they walk over there and then you sneak past them none of none of that kind of stuff really exists or i'm going to climb up the vines and open this window and sneak in through this window like it's just not not present in the kind of game hitman 2 silent assassin is whereas all of these things are present in the later hitman games and in many other stealth and immersive sim games that came out later um that being said, I don't want to say Hitman 2 Silent Assassin sucks because of this, because it doesn't. I mean, it's it's off, still offering kind of like, it's still leaning a lot heavier into that puzzle aspect of it. And unlike Codename 47, it does the puzzle aspect pretty damn well. I'm just saying that it's really, it really is more that kind of game than a stealth 
game in a in an open mansion where you can go anywhere and do anything and carve your own through path through the level yeah with um silent assassin it really feels like io knows what they want to do with the series now like there's a clear mm-hmm. vision that's not present in the first game and it's very obvious when you know jumping into silent assassin for the first time they have a clear vision of what they want it to be and i think that they discovered a whole lot while working on this game that they you know then incorporated in the later games but it's still you know this is a genre like style of game that's in its infancy and it does still feel like that and you get that feeling when playing it like that there is something special here but they haven't quite perfected it yet is the feeling that i got while playing through this whole game and you know the level design was a big part of that because some levels um like tracking hayamoto and terminal hospitality um tube way torpedo invitation to a party felt really tightly designed with tight patrol routes and you know uh interesting secondary ways to kill the target that was really fun and then there's other levels that have this like lack of polish that causes them to be like really frustrating for me like uh in the jacuzzi job you need to assassinate a target that's in you know in a jacuzzi um and what i would do what i tried to do was i thought that if i choked him out when nobody was there um and then i left him floating in the pool they'd just think he got drunk and drowned that's not the case mm. they're they're now like i'm looking for a suspicious bald man uh <laughs> even though they you know haven't seen a suspicious bald man um there's did, did you turn out the lights on? i mission? did turn out the lights because okay. otherwise you have to wait for the elevator to get up for like four minutes or something so and then you know like again that issue i had with shogun showdown where i thought that the guards ai worked a certain way because of you know there's just all these little things that are annoying in some of the levels that makes me not love them as much as i could and i found that happened a lot more than i would have liked to so i really hated motorcade interception where you have to shoot the guy with the sniper rifle through the car um because every time i shot him it would alert fucking every single guard and i had to awkwardly run through to the exit um i ended up just going on the ground and just shooting him and running the exit was frustrating i'm sure there was a sniping spot over near the mosque but getting that sniper shot was way more frustrating and i got tired of replaying it so i just did it the dumb unga bunga way and it worked out fine Um, yeah i also took that approach that level i thought it kind of sucked also, the final level, Redemption at Gontrano, I think is fucking garbage. <laughs> like, yep. it's so... the So, in, in the final mission, you start with... So, we'll just avoid story spoilers, James. But you start with no weapons, and you kind of... I, I couldn't figure out a way to stealthily take out the guard i'm sure i'm sure there was a perfect window if you get the sneak speed down properly to take him out but i couldn't do it so he sprinted for the weapons locker and got weapons and murdered everyone and i'm like why is the final mission of this game a third person shooter it's like yeah. we've been doing so well hitman 2 silent assassin we've been doing so well and you just for the final mission just decide to be a uh, a fucking awful mediocre third person shooter where you get hit scanned i don't know what they were thinking like you said before that they have a vision and i completely agree with you the last mission just completely trashes the entire concept of that vision yeah i agree it's awful and 
The second last level has a really cool concept that I don't want to spoil, but I don't think they execute it very well, and as a result, it's very frustrating. Mm. Um, like, you, it's kind of like you, you go to do the mission one way, and then this, like, plot twist happens, and it throws a wrench in the works. But it's not obvious what's happened, because the game doesn't really tell you that the plot twist has happened. You just kind of have to stumble your way into it, and it was very janky and very... I, I really, like... I loved the concept of the level and hated the execution. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it, yeah. Which meant that the final two levels of the game would, you know, they're the like two of the worst. Um, like I've got the list of levels and what order I liked them in. They're like at the bottom. Yeah. So, so I think that so most of the missions they're divided into uh, locations, and there's about two or three per location, about six locations. I think that the Russian missions, the Malaysian missions and the last two missions in India were the really strong ones. And then it kind of got worse, like the bad missions were the Japanese ones, except for the final one, um, Shogun Showdown, which I quite liked. I thought the first Japanese one was really good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's fair as well. It's more those two middle ones. Like, like I said, I didn't hate them, but it's not playing to the game's strengths is maybe a good way to yeah. put it. Um, and I thought the missions in Afghanistan were quite poor and then the end of the game the afghanistan missions were all just not not very enjoyable yeah i liked murder at the bazaar sure um but i like you hated the motorcade interception and temple city ambush is a fucking bizarre mission uh i really did not like it it's the level's really big and i reckon you use like 10 percent of the space yeah um, you do you, you just use the two squares and that's and that's really it it's very confusing um, I did like how you could find, like, I noticed the sniper overlooking and I snuck up behind him and took him out. Um, but the other guy, I'm not sure how you meant to take him out with no one noticing you, um, but maybe there was something yeah, I missed. Yeah, what I did was I snuck up to one of the upper level rooms and, like, snuck in the darkness and shot him. Right. Like, they were like, whoa, he's dead, but they didn't, like alert on me yeah so. that happened with me I, I was able to get the kill off on him but i wasn't able to like have his body not be detected i don't know if it's possible yeah um there's that one mission i wanted to just chat briefly just randomly mm -hmm. um death of hanalor the one where you take out the doctor yes um i feel like it's not possible to not get a perfect rating on that level almost <laughs> like i don't know how you go through that level without getting silent assassin you could you could kill i mean you can always kill people um you could stuff up and get detected because uh, I, I um you have to so you have to first uh get into the place so i, I assume yep. you found the route the route um that went under the under into the fountain i have no did not know that existed yeah so in the middle in the middle of the center there's like a fountain and there's a hidden hidden way into the place oh i never found that yeah that's cool and then you need to go get the key which requires you waiting for the guard to go to the bathroom and then i got changed into the patient's uniform so i could go past the guards and have my official meeting with the doctor so um oh no i just i just shot the first guard i saw took his uniform walked in because oh, it okay. lets you have exactly one kill so right so you can um, get away with it yeah i mean yeah I, so once it, i think that comes back to like once you know what to do you can do it and the mission's compact enough that you can 
that once you know what to do, you get through it. It still took me a few tries, particularly getting out of the fountain with my with my suit. I think I eventually decided to shoot a guard just because it was easier. But uh, <laughs> there was that hidden path, which was quite cool. I, I really liked that hidden path because you just kind of walk into the water. <laughs> that and it's great. just there. Yeah. yeah. I, I did like that one too, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that the hospital level's probably top two levels, I'd say. It's like the, the best way level. You... It's, it's not even close. It's, it's got the most complexities to it it's even got the areas um you know where the generator room is you can kind of go up the ladders to the areas that are surveying the um yeah yeah like i didn't even see them on my first playthrough i only found them afterwards and that's great um the fact that you can use night vision the fact that you can you've got the special kill with the scalpel is fucking hilarious uh, mm-hmm. the mission just flows really nicely how you go and get the temple outfit and then you go get the doctor outfit it's it's a beautiful mission from start to finish best mission yeah um my favorite ended up being tracking Hayamoto because i was like proud of my like it's got really tight patrol patterns mm-hmm. that are really satisfying to get through which i think most of the game doesn't have um like even with the map, like it's still challenging to sneak through perfectly without being seen, and it is satisfying because all the routes make sense and all the timings make sense. Mm. Um, and the actual kill with like just poisoning the food and then like, you know, getting the kill while not being anywhere near the target was really fun for me. Is it possible to kill him without doing that? Because it seems like he's surrounded by about a zillion guards. So once I figured out. Because I snuck around and I poisoned and tracked as well. It, I assume that's the only way to really go about it. Yeah, because you can take the food yourself to him if you get one of the servant outfits. Yeah, I, I didn't do that. I just set it all up to be taken out. Yeah, I figure... I didn't try it, but I figure all the walls pointing to his room are really paper thin, so maybe mm. you can shoot through them and get like a sniper kill from the garden. Um, but then you can't really track the bodies, so it must be like... Ugh. There's not a lot of different ways to do that level, which hurts it a bit, but like the one good way to do it is quite fun, so mm. it was quite high for me. So the mission I wanted to talk a bit about was Shogun Showdown, the final Japanese mission. I would say this is the mission I spent the most time on. Like um, the amount of tries I did this mission over and over and over to eventually get it perfect. And I think it was this mission that convinced me that, like, I was really enjoying the game. And it was this mission that I was like, if this mission was a Codename 47 mission, it would be a nightmare. Like, I'd never get through it. But everything about um, this being Silent Assassin being a mission made it so much better. The way that you can walk past guards in, you know, as long as you are, you know, you walk straight past them and don't linger works really well. Um, I liked that there was a key that you could use to unlock the lasers which had a bomb inside and then you could put the bomb in the helicopter and then you could press the alarm to make him go for the helicopter and I just naturally kind of figured it out through duration like I'd get a little bit further every time I'd know what to do and then I'd do the next part of the mission and then I'd run past a ninja and then they you know hit me with that katana I'd start again and then I found the alarm and I pressed it and I'm like oh, he's running now, how can I use this? I'm like, oh, there was that bomb, I wonder if I can, maybe I'm meant to use that on the helicopter, and it was all 
it all made sense and it was all compact and dense enough that I was able to figure it out without looking at a guide at all. And I thought it was, you know, ultimately a really good mission with how it all unfolded. It reminded me a lot of um, traditions of the trade, not in terms of complexity because that mission's more complex, but in terms of how there was a logical chain to figure out what it was that I was meant to do. Did you find the paths on the rooftops? The part? No, I didn't. I um. So, so the way I killed him was I snuck up into his room, mm-hmm. um, and then there are these like ninjas in the rafters that will attack you if you shoot him. So I just like I took him out in the room, and then what you can do is you can jump out the window of the top of the very top of the level, mm. and then there are all of these like like floorboards all over the rooftops that you need to walk along and not fall off um it's really cool because it all like uh winds down back to the helicopter eventually if you follow them properly it's really sweet all right Um, and then can you escape in the helicopter yeah absolutely um because the the ninjas i don't think tell other people they just chase you yeah um so you can do it that way which i thought was fun and i liked all the hidden passages yeah, if my playthrough at that level wasn't marred by that like hour of being an idiot, um, <laughs> I'd probably be a bit higher. And there's also that secondary objective where you meet the like the prostitute from the first game, and you can also help her escape in addition to what you're doing as I, like a secondary. I thing. was like, "Fuck this," and I didn't help her. Yeah, escape. me too. I didn't help her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I it's like I did this before. <laughs> but I, I really like the idea of um, setting off the panic button, and he goes to the helicopter that you planted a bomb on. That was that was very satisfying to execute. Yeah. The problem for me is that for every great level like that, there is one that I did not enjoy, like the Hidden Valley one, the motorcade interception, the city ambush, um, the two St. Petersburg's levels, which are just too big. I ended up not enjoying Jacuzzi Job either because I thought that it was a bit of a mess um, to get the job done properly. And then Basement Killing I thought was really cool. Um, but again, the ambiguity of the uniforms kind of soured it a bit for me. So level design-wise, for me, it's a bit of a mixed bag. What I would say is that the lows of Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, maybe the bottom missions are quite bad, but I think there's a lot of kind of just mediocre missions in here. You know, like ones yeah. that are not great, not you know awful, they're just kind of there. And I think that it's really important that if you have a mission that you don't like, you always have the option of bringing up your gun and shooting four people and you can end it with relatively pain-free. Whereas in Hitman Codename 47, that was never really an option because, you know, on the jungle mission, you had to spend two minutes running around that chain link fence every time you failed. Yes. And it was very easy to fail because you're being sniped by enemies outside the fog of war. Like, there is no mission in Hitman 2 Silent Assassin that to me comes even close to how bad that experience was. So I, th- I agree. I, I think that even though I, I do agree with you, you're not, it's not like 20 great missions. It's probably. 10 good missions, four of which are fantastic. Uh, You can go through the mediocre missions without them, you know, being an awful experience. Like the one that really comes to mind is Tunnel Rat. 
Tunnel Rat is a mission that I think is like pretty boring with no real special yep. features. You just kind of go in there, kill a guy and go out. It's not fun or particularly interesting. Um, it didn't take me a million tries, but it wasn't painful. It was just another mission. And if that's as bad as it gets, I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy to push through that. Yeah, I agree. Like when the missions are bad in this game, and I think there's probably only two truly terrible missions here. Um, you do have the option of getting through it pretty quickly anyway. So, you know, there, there, there absolutely is nothing as mine as horrifying as you know those jungle missions in the first game. Um, what did you think of Graveyard Shift? Because it's like a, it's a, it's a mission that doesn't have a kill target. Um, I really um, like Graveyard Shift. I um, I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, sticking a usb into a computer is no different from shooting a guy in the head like it's just it, getting to a point yeah yeah i i think i think there's nothing wrong with a hitman game having some missions where you're not literally killing someone and i mean the the stealth aspect of that mission was a bit more interesting than most of the others where you kind of had to pick a more interesting route i think in fact i did that mission with um in the suit without picking up a uniform and then the final stretch of it, I just shot the two guards in the head because I wasn't sure how yep. to get through there without doing that. I'm sure there's a way, but it was ridiculous. And I didn't know how to get through the glass without shooting it out. Oh, yeah, I no, I did the same out. thing. Yeah, I just shot it and okay. then ran. I'm like, surely there's a button somewhere. I couldn't see it. So, nah. But but yeah, I, I thought it was fine. I mean, you don't need literally every mission to be ended a murder. That's true. Yeah, I thought it was quite good as well. Um, so I'm reaching basically the end of my notes now. Did you have anything else before we wrap up? No, let, let's wrap up. Tell tell everyone what you thought of Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, James. Hitman 2 Silent Assassin is massively improved um, in comparison to the original game. Uh, it improves. It has a unified vision that it sticks to you know, for the most part, much better than the first, which did not have uh, this kind of unified vision. Uh, Hitman 2's levels on a whole are much better than the first, where uh, a couple of them I truly enjoyed and thought were fantastic levels. That said, though, I don't think this is the peak that the series has to offer, and as a whole, I didn't love my time playing this game. Um, I thought that despite this being radically better than the first, because the first game was so bad in my mind, this kind of ends up being lukewarm um, on the on the whole, I guess. Like, I loved, you know, three missions out of, what, like 10? And then the rest were either mediocre to bad, in my opinion. So... On the whole, I can't recommend Hitman 2 Silent Assassin... Um, as a game you have to play. However, if you have an interest in the game, you know, it's a perfectly fine way to spend some time. Like, I, I wouldn't tell you not to play this game, but it's not the kind of game that I'm rushing out to tell people, you know, you have to play this. It's like, I would say, you know, the kind of game that people who are already big fans of the series would want to play and, you know, would have a good time with still. Um, but, you know, if you're interested in the series for the first time, definitely uh, look elsewhere, in my opinion. Um, I'm higher on this than you are, James. I actually had a lot of fun with Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. I think it's a game with heaps of problems. Like, uh, the thing with the map will never 
not irritate me. Um, and it's very rough around the edges. Uh, lots of little quirky problems with the eye, things like that. But I really enjoyed the process of figuring out the puzzle of these levels and the process of getting a little bit further every time without me having to ever look at a walkthrough was very satisfying. Um, Shogun Showdown, Tubeway Torpedo, Terminal Hospitality, those are the standouts. But even the missions that I wasn't like, this is the crazy best thing ever, even those mediocre ones like Tunnel Rat, they still worked within the Hitman formula that was presented to me. I would get a bit further each time, take out this guard in the right time, sneak through this patrol route, and then make my exit. And it worked, and it worked well. Coming into Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, you need to understand what kind of game you're getting into, which is that it's still primarily a puzzle game, and it's not really the strongest stealth game. But it does offer a very unique take on puzzle stealth that you can't really see anywhere else, even in some regards in the modern Hitman games. And I know James and I disagreed on this, but for me, a big part of making this game have a unique identity is that suspicion system. Like the modern Hitman games have enforcers, but this idea of walking through these bases surrounded by people being careful to not spend too much time near enemy guards was wonderful. I, I loved it and I've never really experienced that in any stealth game I've played in my life. So um, overall, I think Hitman 2 is a good game. Hitman 2 Silent Assassin is a good game and I do recommend it, but you got to know what kind of experience you're getting yourself in for because if you go in expecting an immersive sim, you're going to hate this. But if you go in expecting a puzzle game with some cool tweaks, you'll you'll have a really good time. So gets a recommend for me. Okay. I think the biggest thing for me is, like, would you play this game... Would you recommend people play this game over the other games in the series? And we haven't covered, you know, games like Contract or Blood Money yet, but, you know, from pe from my impression of people's opinions of the series, like, for somebody, you know, who hasn't played them before, would you recommend Silent Assassin as their first game? So I probably wouldn't recommend Silent Assassin if you've never played a Hitman game before because it is still pretty obtuse um, compared to a lot of the other ones. But I think the important thing here is that I think it offers something distinct and unique from the modern Hitman games and, in fact, from any stealth game that I've played before. The modern Hitman games are this very, this very complete package where you're given so much freedom to the point where I think it can be overwhelming in some ways, just the sheer number of things you can do. This is Hitman 2 Silent Assassin is more directed. Uh, it's more by providing you with three or four paths instead of 40. It's less, you know, it's it's more approachable in that regard. It's you can You can come into it. And like I said, the sneaking mechanics and everything are different from other games. Is this the best stealth puzzle game? No. I, I would rank this below Splinter Cell 1. I'd rank it far below Thief. Um, I'd rate its stealth gameplay above something like No One Lives Forever. But the thing, the really, the really important thing for me is that it does offer something unique. And when you're looking at these old games, it's not always 
you know, is this game literally better? Because most of the time, in a lot of ways, the experience of playing an old game will not be as good as the modern one. But it does offer a unique, enjoyable experience. And I think there's something of value to be taken from it. So, yeah, I I can genuinely give it a recommend, rough edges and all. Okay. I, I can, you know, tweak my statement a bit and say that I would say that people who do love the series should give this game a go because mm. I agree with you that um, the way stealth is implemented here is unique and there is something of value there so but for you know people fresh to the series I, I can't give that recommendation yeah I, I think that's fair this is not you don't want this to be your first hitman game just play one of the new ones they're all brilliant and they 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 get it the the fusion of the puzzle with the immersive sim was a match made in heaven for those games and i think you're right you're better off starting there and then revisiting this if you're really keen i will say though that i actually am kind of keen to play more of this series now <laughs> in a way that i wasn't um when i played the first game like i think i said i was but it's different like now this series feels like it has direction and I really want to see, you know, them realize, you know, levels that are all more consistently like the good ones here. So mm. Silent Assassin, if anything, if, you know, anything else has made me more excited to play the rest of the games. Yeah, well, the next, well, not, we, I imagine if we did another one, we'd skip contracts because it's just a remix with five, with like four or five new levels. But I've heard, is it Blood Money? Is that the next one? Blood Money's the one that people always yeah. rave about. P- and I, 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 I kind of agree that I think we should, you know, skip there if we do another one. Um, and I honestly would be happy to do Blood Money at some point because, uh, you know, this has uh, opened my eyes to it being really cool honestly mm. well shout out to mayday mima from our discord server for getting us into this game <laughs> he sure does love it <laughs> <laughs> he does all right well i think that about wraps it up um thank you so much everyone for listening to us uh gab on about hitman 2 silent assassin for probably about two hours this uh it was a long yeah, a long episode yeah i mean a lot to talk about um we are the Retrospectors podcast each and every fortnight. James and I talk about classic games of the past to determine if they've truly stood the test of time. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. That's got links to all of our social media stuff. It's got all of our episodes and also a bunch of articles that James and I have written about games, both old and new. Most importantly, we would love if you would drop by our Discord server. Um, our Discord server is the primary way in which we interact with our community. We love arguing about video games primarily. Um, occasionally, we'll have you know nice formal discussions, but it usually descends into a you know a violent argument, which is the way I like to communicate with our fans. So please drop on by, join the conversation, join the argument. Um, let us know if we should play Hitman Blood Money. Let us know if um, if any of our opinions were wrong, because I'd love to defend them to the death. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that about sums it up, James. So James, I picked uh, Silent Assassin. So please, what what are we doing next Fortnite? What game are we playing? Okay, so the next game we're playing is actually another game that we're picking based on a recommendation from some of our users. Um, actually, like a combination recommendation. Um, from Drew, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago for Streets of Rage, um, and one of our other users, Bruno, um, who together recommended uh, Another World uh, as being like a, t- 
an interesting 2D game that we can have a go at. Um, I have looked at screenshots of this game, and I think the visual style is utterly gorgeous. Um, and, we, you know, it's kind of an interesting adventure game juxtaposition that we can kind of compare with our other experience in the genre too. So I'm quite looking forward to it based on what I've seen. Yeah, the static screenshots look nice, but I'm worried, James. <laughs> I mean, we've got some pr pretty screenshots as the entire basis for us playing this game. So I really hope it holds up in the gameplay <laughs> gameplay realm. That's that's what my fingers are crossed for, but my, my expectations aren't high. Well, there is a like a remastered version, basically, that's, you know, uh, made some improvements that will probably be the version that we're playing. So I doubt there'll be too many like points of pain here. It should be a pretty good time. Well, I don't know if I'll look forward to playing it, but I'm looking forward to discussing it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, that sums it up. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening. Um, we'll see you next time.